here are defined by Barna is basically the group of people that are not saying we're, we're anti-Christianity or we're atheists. They're just saying we don't really have a place and we don't really care that we don't have a place. We're, we're not anti-Christian. We're not pro. I mean, we're just nothing. We're none. And so that is going to continue to increase. And then the decline in Judeo-Christian values um, is going to continue to decrease as we go forward. But then there are some themes that we decided as a church have been really important to our journey as a family um, over the last 40 years that we don't want to lose sight of. As we begin to, to reach into this community, as we begin to minister to this community, we don't want to lose sight of these things. And so there were some themes that we kept coming back to. Discipleship. Keeping our children. Making sure our children who graduate from high school are not walking away from their faith. That the family is vital. And not just family as far as the, the nuclear family, the, the mom, the dad, the 2.3 kids, or four kids for some of you people out there. Um, that, that that family system is very important, but then also we as a church body are a family. We gather as a family. That marriage is sacred and it is important and we want to hold on to that and minister to people in their marriages. Whether your marriage is struggling, whether your marriage is doing great, thank you guys, um, whether your ma marriage is doing great um, or whether it's struggling, that we want to be able to speak life into it and help build it up and encourage you in that that service, we have always been a church that served, and we want to continue to be that. And then relationships, relationships inside these walls, but also the relationships that we have outside these walls. And so as a church, we got together um, as a large body with the vision team kind of leading the way on this, and we met together, and we started to try to form some questions. What are the questions that we are asking as a church body that relate to how we interact with the world? And here are some of the, the prominent questions that, that came out of these meetings where all of our church gathered together. Um, one of them, what can we do today to become the hands and feet of Jesus? Um, secondly, how can Shiloh be 100% inward focused and also be 100% outward focused? How do we reasonably equip people with the truth of God so it can be shared and defended reasonably and soundly? What is my gift and how does God want to use it for his kingdom? And how does Shiloh welcome the world and its diversity to Christ without compromising our biblical beliefs? And so these are the questions we were asking as a church and how do we engage this world and not give up the gospel that we hold so dearly um, to, the good news that we hope in? And so these are the questions we were asking. And so the, the vision team kind of came back together after those meetings with all of our church, and we formed this vision of where we wanted to head, and it's very simple. And you, you see these icons behind me. And if you're new to this place, these icons are not just decorations. They really do mean something to us. And the, the vision was simply this, to exalt Christ, to encourage one another, and to engage my neighbor. So let's talk for just a little bit about this vision. First of all, the, the beginning place, we said, was to exalt Christ. 
to exalt Christ because as we see Christ with our eyes, he begins to change everything about us. He begins to change our perception of the world. He begins to change our perception of the person sitting next to me in the pew. He begins to change our perception of the way we see people outside of this building who are apart from him. That is, Christ is seen through our eyes, and that's what this simply represents. As Christ is seen with our eyes, it fundamentally changes who we are as people. In Ephesians, or I'm sorry, in Hebrews chapter 12, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. There's all these things that are um, hindering us. There's all these things that entangle us. All these things that block our vision. But if we can keep our vision, if we can keep our eyes focused on the one thing, the main thing that truly matters, then it's going to make a difference in who we are as God's people. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer, the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. Scorning his shame, its shame, he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. It's our eyes that change us from the inside out. It's our eyes that as we fix them on Jesus, it changes what we do, what we say, how we act and how we behave. And so there are some things that are really important and values that we hold as far as exalting Christ. That One, that we would gather weekly to worship. That we think it's so important that we come here because together we see Christ. I think one of the most beautiful, profound ways that we see God at work in this world and we see Him clearly is through His people. And so we gather weekly to see God at work in this world through one another. That we would live a life of worship 24 hours a day, seven days a week. That groups are very important to us. Um, and, and groups are one of those things that show up in all three aspects. Exalt, encourage, engage. Because we think as a group you need people who are walking with you in this journey, who are helping point you to Christ and helping you to see him more clearly through that community. That the relationships you're forming with one another are vital in helping you in this journey. That you aren't on this journey on your own. And then finally, that we tell stories of what God is doing in this world. Because, it, let me just say this, it, it's really difficult at times with all the other noise, with all the other things that entangle us, all the other things that block our vision, there are times that we really wonder, is God at work in this world? And we need other people who can point out the ways that God is working, that they're seeing, because sometimes we struggle to see. And so that community is important. But we also design this not just as a vision of where we want to go, but a process for discipleship. 
And so with each one of these phases, there's some next steps that you can take. And the first step we thought people needed to take in this journey was simply to worship, to come gather with us because through that gathering, we get to see God at work through one another. That starting point is another place that we begin um, in this process that we want people to move to. So we want people to come to worship and find community here. We want them to go through starting points so they can find out what we're about and what's important to us. And then there was this transitional piece that we thought could help move people from exalt Christ to encourage one another. Because this is really a process, not just a vision. And that's our Bible classes. Because classes are designed for you to learn about God. They're designed for you to see Christ but they're also designed to help us love one another in close community. And so our hope is, is people get to sit in this seat and exalt Christ and get to see him and he changes their eyes. He's also changing their heart. And that they move from this place of exalting Christ to being able to be in community with one another and encourage one another. To be a part of that community is vital. I mean, that defined the early church in Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with with glad and sincere hearts. Verse 47. And praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This is what this community looked like. They shared life together. And so as Christ begins to change our eyes, as he begins to help us see him as he is, he would change our hearts to see one another, to love one another more deeply, to share with one another, to to realize that what I have is not mine, it's ours, collectively. We share in these gifts and what we... That's what the apostles, that's what the early church was all about. What's mine is yours, including my kids. You can take any of them home after church. Um, But that we would share in this journey together. And so some things that we decided were very important in this journey. Family is very important in this journey. That... Small groups, being able to to move each other along in this journey from exalt to encourage is very important. To have people who are holding you accountable, people who are walking alongside you, people who are helping you grow. The discipleship and maturation is important. Helping people not just simply stay where they are. Because it's really easy to become stagnant in your faith, correct? Correct. It's really easy to get to this point where it's like, well, I've arrived. I know what I need to know. I do what I need. But we need to continue to grow and grow in that faith. And then finally, five to one connections in our student ministry. 
And one of the things that, that I'm really excited about Kyle's got in place this fall is there are some big days coming up where he's going to be making sure that our students are getting connected with these other adult relationships. That, that we believe that students need to have other adults in the mix with them. That other adults are walking alongside them in the journey. Other adults are mentoring and helping them. I mean, what would it look like in a church when students were graduating from high school, going off to college, and they have mentors and people that are surrounding them in this journey that are calling them and saying, hey, I wanted to see if you found a church home yet. Is there, is there anything I can do to help with that? Can I, can I come down to, to school and go to church with you for a couple weekends if you, if you need that? Uh, but helping walk through this process so it's not, hey, you're out of high school, we're done with you, but it's we're going to continue to walk with you and these relationships are so important. And so there are some next steps here as well. We want people to move into groups and find community, to find connection, to find belonging. That baptism a lot of times happens in this point of the journey. That as you see Christ and you get connected with his community, that you decide, I want to be a part of that community. And so that we are, are constantly sharing that message with people in this world that's changing and transforming. That, it, that it's always been, well, we want to be able to speak and, and make sure people know Christ. But so many times, and think about this for your life as well, so many of the, the people that led you to Christ weren't preachers necessarily or youth ministers. They were the other people of God that you surrounded yourself with that walked with you in this journey. And then finally, this, this last chair is to engage my neighbor. That, that with our hands, we reach out to serve people outside of this building. People who do not know Christ. Um, so some things that we, real, real quick, actually, if Isaiah chapter 61. Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and to release from darkness the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn and to provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them the crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting for the display of his splendor. And so we decided that there are some things that are important to this journey as we engage that missions, both Outside these walls, um, nationally, um, foreign missions, but then also locally. Stepping out and engaging people with the gospel of Christ is important. Groups, that our groups are not just a place that we gather to turn inward. They're also a place that we gather to turn outward. To go out from our groups, to share, to serve, to make that a part of who we are. That we would be a sending church. That we're sending our people out on mission. That every single person here is a missionary of the gospel. A minister of the gospel of Christ. And that you leave this place to go into a mission field. That where you work, where you live, is the place that God has placed you 
to do His work. That we would partner with other people in our community who are already doing great things for the gospel. That we would come alongside groups like PATH and say, we're going to serve together, we're going to share together because we believe in what you're doing. And then finally, that our building would be used and just allowed to be a place that people are coming in. Um, and we have so many things that happen here. I think one of the things I'm most excited that happens here on a daily basis out in Gate 11 is a group called Achieving Dreams. And it's an adult, basically, daycare for special needs um, people. And they get to come and they get to gather every single day in our building. There's lots of things like that that happen here. But as we talk about this vision and who we are, I said this is not just a vision of what we see. It's also a process. And this process is a cycle. See, as we exalt Christ and we see him with these new eyes, it causes us to encourage one another with our hearts, to engage in the life of of this church together, but then to move out together and engage this world with the gospel. And as we engage this world, all that it does is open up our hearts more our eyes to see Christ again and to move deeper into relationship and to reach further into the community and to see Christ more and to encourage one another more and to engage that this is a process that we move through and there's never a place where you come to in this process where it's, I've made it. There's never a place where you become stagnant. So I want to kind of reshuffle these chairs for just a second and think about them a little bit differently. In this first chair is the chair of the unbeliever, the person who does not know Jesus Christ. Maybe a person who's never heard of him, has no clue about him. Maybe someone who has heard about him and has decided, I don't want to follow him. That's the first chair. And we can acknowledge there's plenty of those chairs in our world. There are a lot of people in our world, in our community, in our neighborhoods, in our schools, in our offices who sit in this chair, who are apart from Christ and who do not know him. The the second chair is the chair of the believer. And we've said before that this chair is pretty comfortable because it doesn't require much of you other than that you just believe. It doesn't ask a lot. It doesn't require a lot. You can just sit here. But I don't think any of us were ever meant to be in this chair for long. This is just simply a chair that we pass through to this chair that is the disciple. The the chair of the one who is growing in their faith, the one who is discipling other people, who's sharing the gospel, who's bringing life and who's bringing God's light to this world. That the hope is that you move from this place of the unbeliever to this place of believing, to this place of being a disciple of Jesus, committed not to your kingdom, but to his but this chair is uncomfortable. 
This chair does not allow you to sit in one place and relax. This chair requires that you engage this world with the gospel of Jesus. And so many times what we love to do is we begin in this chair where we're the unbeliever, where we don't know Christ, and we move to this chair of the believer, and we get comfortable, and we relax, and we sit down, and we find some other people who are willing to sit beside us. Can we borrow your chair for a second? And we need your chair too. See, if we're honest, most of us have found ourselves here. Jesus called you not to this safe community but to a community of faith that's always moving forward and here's the danger of groups is that we form our groups and they're good forever and whether we call them small groups or we just simply rely on our friendships and relationships. I think most of us have these little closed circles. See, when we envisioned and talked about as a, a vision team what groups would look like here, it's a place that we would gather and that these groups would not go out on our own, but we would go out together. That we would gather for worship, we would gather for community, but then we would go out and gather for mission. And as this mission formed and we brought more people into this vision, that these groups would be able to say, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and stick with a small group from here and let's form another group out of this group and I'm going to go be a leader here. And we're going to invite more people in. Understand this. Multiplication is not a strategy. It is a necessity for the gospel to go forward. And we have a tendency as human beings to find the place that we're comfortable and relax and sit. And God did not call you to sit. Jesus' great commission was not to come and sit. It was to come and go and make disciples of all nations. And let's talk about that for just a second because that is so difficult today in our world. I mean, you look at the news, you look at social media, and there are so many um, places where people are conflicting with one another, where they're fighting and where they're arguing, and everyone says, pick a side. Pick a side. What side are you on? And then once you pick a side, figure out who's to blame. 
Well, it's their fault. No, it's their fault. That is the garden all over again. It's this woman you put here with me. It's this serpent you put here with me. And that spirit of blame and accusation is the spirit of Satan. And everything in our world says, pick a side, pick a side, pick a side. And I think the love of Christ calls you to step into the center and love both sides. The side you agree with equally as much as the side you disagree with. I learned something about myself a couple years ago. I had an intern that I really struggled with um, to just communicate. And I had a conversation, and I was giving him instructions on how to get to a place, and he got lost, and he calls me on the phone and says, hey, I, I can't find this place. And I got so aggravated because it was so simple. I mean, there were maybe two or three turns. And so I'm talking to him on the phone, and I'm going, you go to the end of this road, and you go left, and then you take a right, and it's right there. My secretary calls me into her office, and she goes, do you realize that you just said the exact same thing to him as you did before, except louder and slower? I mean, isn't that what we do when people disagree? I mean, I mean when people disagree with us, we get louder, we get slower. We lock our caps lock on our keyboard to make sure they know we're serious. In our world right now, we need more people who are advocates. That is, if I'm correct, the spirit that was sent to live within you, correct? I'm going to send my helper, the advocate, the Holy Spirit. And there's this other spirit that's so pervasive in this world, and it's the accuser. It's the one that casts blames. Now, understand, there are going to be times where you have to pick a side. But I would suggest in those moments, standing with the poor, the oppressed, the marginalized, the people Jesus stood with. And it's not always popular. And it's not always easy. But what we want to do more than anything else is to look out and complain about the darkness. God did not call you to complain about the darkness. It is darkness. It will always be darkness. He called you to invade the darkness with his glorious light. And that would be the difference in this world. That would be the way people see not because people have sat here passively and created their little holy huddle, but because they have moved from this seed of just simply believing to engaging this world with the gospel, to loving their neighbors and to loving their enemies and to loving the people they don't agree with and to listening to the people that are difficult to understand that we don't see eye to eye because we have 
found the love of Christ that changed our perceptive perception of this world because our eyes were changed. As He changed our eyes, He changed our heart. And as He changed our heart and we fell into this deep community with one another, we went out together. Do you remember when Jesus sent out the 72? It wasn't go out on your own, but as it was go out together. And for so long, we've made one another feel guilty. We'll gather for worship and then scatter for mission. But this gospel message goes forth. It goes forward as we gather for worship and then we gather to go out together on mission. And so, see, that's what baptism was to you. And I think a lot of times we've made baptism about how we saved ourselves. But what that was supposed to represent was this grave where you died to yourself. In Matthew 16, Jesus says, you're, you're supposed to take up your cross, deny yourself, and follow me. And whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life, whoever dies to themselves, who dies to their kingdom and is raised into this new kingdom that we're building together, that is the one who will find it. See, the gospel was never simply meant to be about you. You, as a follower of Jesus, are called to something bigger than yourself. It's the same call that Abraham got in the very beginning of Genesis. That you would be a blessing to this world. That all the other nations would be blessed through you. So we move. And understand this. This seat right here, we need to have lots of these open seats in our church. Because if we truly believe that where people encounter Jesus is through seeing God's people worship together and getting a glimpse of Him and who He is, then this seed is available. And people are invited to come and sit. Because we believe as they see Christ with their eyes, it's going to transform their heart. As their heart is transformed in this deep community, that they are going to go out and engage their neighbor. So as we end real quick, and I know we're, we're a little long, but I, I don't want to miss this opportunity today to talk about this. There's some stories I want to tell you quickly. Um, one, um, just simply about people engaging their neighbor. Um, we, we have a couple of Ladies here, Kima and Kara. Oh, they're, where are y'all sitting at? They're in children's ministry today. They started an outreach for international college students here at Shiloh. And every month they're opening up this building 
and they're sharing and ministering with people who do not know Jesus, who are from other countries, and they're simply connecting with them and loving them for the gospel. And what's beautiful about that is there are some other people who have gotten a vision for that and have joined them in that journey and said, we want to be a part of that as well. This past summer, we had a group of adults that have gone to Santa Fe, New Mexico for the past three summers, or the past two summers. This summer, they invited our youth group to go with them. And we had this group of adults and this group of teenagers together on this trip, ministering together, doing exactly what we want to be doing as a church together in this journey. We have another couple of families that went to Haiti on a mission trip, Jared and Holly Schultz and Brian and Sharice Kraft. They're going to be sharing about that experience on a Wednesday night coming up the 30th of this month. I want to encourage you to come hear that story and what they're doing. And then one other story that I wasn't going to tell, but then I got a phone call this past week on on Wednesday. And I want to read you a letter, if I can get to it. Five years ago, 2012, I was in a deep, dark pit of depression. My husband for 20 years abandoned our family, leaving me to raise our then 14-year-old daughter by himself. I was so embarrassed and afraid for people to find out, so I totally isolated myself from the world. Fast forward to 2015. My daughter was a senior in high school. And I was desperately seeking God to heal and soften her heart from the pain of a close-knit relationship that was deteriorating. Picking her up from school each day and dealing with the silence and the attitude was a living nightmare. And one day in 2015, I left work to pick her up, and I literally cried out to God all the way there. I pulled to the side of the road and searched for churches near Lee High School. And up popped Shiloh Road, Church of Christ. I called and asked if anyone could pray with my daughter. And I was transferred to a youth minister who's no longer here. And he sat down with us together for approximately 30 minutes. Then he sent me out to meet with my daughter. The walls were thin and I could hear her crying, telling him how she was totally the only senior without a car. And how there's no more joy in our home because I'm always sad. My heart sank. I felt so guilty. But while I was sitting in the youth building waiting for my daughter to finish, Miss Lola came in to set up for Pio class. I didn't say anything to her at first, but the following week when my daughter was there, I returned for counseling and asked the exercise class, is this for just women in your church? And Lola smiled and said, no, anybody is welcome. My daughter and I went to class a couple times together before she started working after school. I don't know everyone's name, but all the women there, Lola, Lisa, etc., at your church, accepted us with no questions asked. I was very nervous at first because I was afraid that someone would ask about my life, but that never happened. God has used this class to hold me accountable in the area of isolating myself. And now I have something to look forward to twice a week without feeling ashamed. The ladies have also sponsored an ice cream cream parties for the 28 little girls that I mentor. Here's a couple of pictures. And so, it was so special 
that they would do something like this for me. And I am eternally grateful. You have the opportunity every single day in this chair to do exactly what Christ commanded us to do. To go and be His light in this world. And everything inside of you is going to say, no, 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 no. Here's where you need to be. But what would this church look like in 2030 if these groups of believers, these groups of disciples who are exalting, encouraging, and engaging were all focused and moving in the same direction? I believe this city of Tyler would never be the same because of the power of Christ through the gospel. Do you believe that, church? Then go and live it. Father, today, we pray that your spirit would dwell within us, the spirit of the advocate, the spirit of the helper, the spirit that brings life to this world. And Father, may we resist the the temptation to blame and to point fingers and to accuse. And Father, to stand with you, the one who stands in the middle with his arms outstretched, nailed to a cross to give life to all. And Father, may we enter into that self-sacrificing life, the crucified God who died to save this world. Father, may we be your people in this world as you have called us to be. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have never given your life to Christ, we encourage you this morning, move from here to here today. And if this is your stop, don't let it be long. And if you're stuck here, it is time to move. It is time to go forward. It is time to advance the gospel because we believe it is the power to bring light into the darkness that will change this world. So whatever your need, we're going to have ministry staff around this auditorium. We would love to pray for you, pray with you, help you in any way we could. Stand while we sing. He came to live, live a perfect life. He came to be the living word, our life. He came to die, so we'd be reconciled. He came to rise, to show his power and might. That's why we praise him, that's why we sing. That's why we offer him our everything. That's why we bow down and worship this King, because He gave His everything. Because He gave His everything. He came to live, live again in us. He came to be our conquering King and friend. He came to heal and show the lost ones His love. He came to go, prepare a place for us. 
That's why we praise Him. That's why we sing. That's why we offer Him our everything. That's why we bow down and worship this King. Because He gave His everything. Hallelujah. 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 That's why we praise Him. That's why we sing. That's why we offer Him our everything. That's why we bow down and worship this King. Because He gave His everything. Because He gave His everything. One heart, one spirit, one voice to praise You. We are the body of Christ. One goal, one vision, to see you exalted. We are the body of Christ. And to this we give our lives. To see you glorified. One heart, one spirit, one voice to praise you. We are the body of Christ. One heart, one spirit, one voice to praise you. We are the body of Christ. One goal, one vision to see you exalted. We are the body of Christ. And to this we give our lives to see you glorified. One heart, one spirit, one voice to praise you. We are the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. God has sent you through Jesus, His Son, and empowered you to go and give life to this world. Go be His hands and feet. Take His light into the darkness. And the world will know that Christ reigns forever and ever. Amen. Grace and peace be with you.